magic. It's a funny thing, isn't it? We can mend the fabric of this world like it's nothing, yet what if that magic was taken away? It's part of you that we take for granted. And what's left? The fire's gone. Hello? Anyone there? What are you doing? I'm asking if anyone's here. Why would anybody be here? This is an abandoned Chuck E. Cheese. You never know. There were reports of strange activity in the area. Figured this would make a good hiding place for a monster of some sort. And you thought that kicking in the door and shouting, Anyone there? Like an idiot was a good way to deal with potential monsters? Well, you know, taken by surprise. Show no fear, in it. No one expects an idiot to kick down the door. Or a fool. Anything with an ounce of intelligence would know not to answer and then gain an advantage on us. In any case, we have more important matters to discuss. Is this about the Swift and the Seething movies again? This is why the Toretto races. Because he's undead for three quarters of a mile. What? Why, how are you thinking about this now? This task bores me. Fan theories are far more intriguing. I'm sorry. Before I tore you out of the abyss, you didn't have a chance to tell me that the entire bloody place consists of a sentient colony of ants that assemble stuff at will and that they could leak out without you. Now that you're gone, they're toddling off into the world of the real to build stuff of nightmares. So they're off getting ideas from people about myths and monsters, creating a plethora of supernatural threats, and resulting in us having to hunt them down for a tidy little profit. It's weird that you have to explain it out loud to me. Look, I bought you the Swift and the Seething book set, didn't I? That set only has the first five. By the way, the children's fascination with monsters in the closet is confounding. Why have a monster with massive fangs and massive claws? Predator like that would need only one to this most prey. You realize that's what we're hunting, right? Seeing that I felt I needed a nightlight and a. drawing didn't do the bogeyman justice. It looks like something out of Clive Barker's happy place. Six feet of pale monster with a bow tie? And he's pretty well spoken, too. Sorry, mate, this place ain't zoned for your level of ugly. Gonna have to relocate you back to the abyss. You know the abyss, right? Nightmare fuel 24-7. You'll fit right in. I'm sorry, my goodness. Due to no management, we'd much rather stay here. Besides, <laughs> with the imagination of the children here, we can inspire a new wave of monsters. By the way, Mr. Valentine... The bogeyman fades back into the darkness. I suddenly remember the feeling of being a child again, when the dark held monsters. I draw my lucky zippo across the red-haired fire starter on my arm. The fire comes to life. Sickening purple radiance lights up the room. 
We ain't in the old restaurant anymore. We're back in my childhood bedroom when monsters looked under the bed and scratched the closet door. I dare you to come in, mate. The inside of my head ain't exactly welcoming. And just like that, your fears are mine to feed upon. And what is that? I'm your nightmare, you too big excuse for a monster. And sorry? How? It's complicated. And she's hungry. Hiya, drunky pan. What the? Razor? It's me. He just dissolved when I shot him. It's fallout from the tour of the abyss. Magical ant colonies taking on the shapes of all our worst dreams. That was the bogeyman you took care of. Seriously? That was the bogeyman? I just ganked the bogeyman. Yes! If six-year-old me could see me now! Never mind that. Where the hells have you been? You took off after we defeated Invasory. Badly. Shut up, you. What? Not you. Anyway, now you pop up after six months blasting monsters and making out like no time's passed. Wait, you were afraid of the bogeyman? They actually had those when you were a kid? Actually, I was a ghoul, but I still feel six-year-old me would approve of this. <laughs> anyway, Fredriper said you were here on a job and we wanted to come and help out. We? Savvy? Savvy! Savvy, you... Aren't listening to me. Ooh, magic. A squeaky voice behind me makes me jump. Behind me, a dark-haired girl with purple tips is tucking in my jacket. She looks like a stiff wind would likely pick her up and blow her away. A pair of oversized goggles magnifies her already bulging eyes. Her unique apparel is rounded out with a set of denim overalls, tank tops, and a set of chucks that looks like someone drew all over them. Visa. Visa! Look at his duster. Curious how his power is woven into the fabric itself. It must be a side effect of the abyssal magic he wields. I wonder what would happen if we took off his duster. Is it as vital to him as his head now? Would he even survive? Excuse me? One, I've got a girlfriend, so back off. And two, what? Oh, right. Sorry. Samantha Savvy, first member of Riza's pack. I'm... Kinda into magic. I've been researching lost magical arts for a few years. Abyssal is one of the styles I've heard of. You know you're the only person I've known to ever blend abyssal magic with the magical infusion of the inked goddess. You're also one of the only street magicians to become the leader in any city under the accords. Yes, I was there at the time. Reza, what is going on? I met Savvy while I was traveling. She was mostly a cook for her pack, but she's dedicated. A quick study and, uh, helped me out of a, an unfortunate misunderstanding while I was on the road. The manticore was technically right, you know. Regardless. The siren thing was your fault, too. Anyway. <laughs> Savvy helped me find something. A new way to go forward. In exchange, I promised I'd help her prove her old pack wrong. So, you're a pack leader now? <laughs> I feel like I should curtsy or bow. Should I do that, your angstiness? Can I officially call the wrist the first pain in my ass? We're celebrating tonight. I'll send her your regards. I imagine so. I mean, I'm sure she's missed you. So has Threadripper. And Zero. And Nyx. Even the great dead detective misses you. And he doesn't even know what a century is. Reza does something that catches me off guard. 
She bloody up and hugs me. I feel my ribs arguing against the idea, but I catch the look in her face before she lunges. She's mixed up inside and just grateful for an ally. A friend. I decide that a punctured lung is the price I'm willing to pay. Tell anyone about this and die bloody. Nobody will believe me anyways. <sighs> just so you know, Flax appointed a new hound. Who's a lucky sucker? Hazel. Figures. She's always scratching around for my position. Is she giving you any trouble? She comes around once a week, asking me where you're at. I say I don't know, she threatens me, I tell her to sod off. It's a working relationship. You know what? I could use a drink. What do you say we visit the last round? The last round? Flack is gonna sniff you out in record time. Flack can go stuff himself. I want a drink. The last round. A neutral shifter bar of the Queen City. It's a magically warded warehouse that looks like... <laughs> Get this, an Iron Gate designer. But if you've got a spark of magic within you, you may pass through the ward and see the truth. It's one hells of a bar, with some of the best supernatural craft brews on the planet. Savvy's eyes widen as she takes in the variety of supernaturals about. A few sirens are getting ready for their show tonight, spinning songs that actually make images dance in front of you. I saw the shadowy silhouette of my duster in their illusion once. The man in the duster was battling a nightmare. It's been six months since I entered the Abyss, freed Cat from Ninvasari, and gained my new bunkmate. Sometimes it seems like an old legend even to me. Just a place all supernaturals can go? Yep. An old buddy named Griff runs the place. He's turned it into a supernatural neutral zone. Inside the last round is home. Plastic tiki girls are hung inside with care, alongside whatever Christmas decorations Griff had strung up before he didn't bother taking down. I feel the atmosphere dry up as Reza enters the room. A crew of shifters pick up their drinks and stalk away, muttering under their breaths. I take Savvy by the shoulder and pull her in close between me and Reza, just in case someone decides to break the rules and start something. Reza draws her battle vest to the side, just enough to show up the stock of her fabled super shotgun. A surly tank of a man with a beard down to his belt ambles out from behind the bar. Griff. He'd been a boxer before his shifter form woke up, and he became a little too good at the fight. He looks at Reza, sizing up the girl half his bloody size. <laughs> Tube suck. Roadkill. Griff bursts out laughing and grabs Reza in a massive bear hug. I see nothing but her boots and pigtails as the beast of the bartender hoists her up. <laughs> Deodorant. Don't care. Great to see you gracing the Queen City once more. Not me. You. Oh, sorry about that. Here you go. All right, you lot. You know the rules. You drink under my roof, you keep your disagreements off my grounds. I'm going back to my soaps. Soaps? Days of our afterlives. Don't ask. It's my favorite. Season 73 was so amazing. Come on, let's find a spot at the back. Are you kidding? Let everyone see me, I don't care. What the hell was Razor? You got a death wish? There's no point in putting off the inevitable. Hey, we're savvy. We crane our necks around. Savvy's over at the table of vamps, quizzing them about something. The vamps are nursing their drinks, trying to ignore her. But how do you talk with those teeth in the way? Do they retract? Do you project a telepathic voice into people's minds? Is there an underground entrance to this bar so you can come and go during the day? Why are you all wearing football jerseys? Savvy! Hey, those guys over there are vampires! Uh-huh. And they hate people asking them questions. Oh, I wonder if that's intrinsic to their vampire nature or a cultural trait. I should go ask them. Sit, 
savvy. I see a few tattoos and some fresh scars on you, Reza. The last six months have been an adventure. So, how's your new roommate? Or should I say headmate? Mind buddy? Brain tenant? She's been on her best behavior. The chains are all holding strong. In exchange for turning on a movie once in a while, she helps me with my casting. It's a good backup to have until Anne figures out some new magical ink into me. Till then, I'm using her tattoos as a focus for my abyssal magic. <laughs> you look like an axolotl when you lost your ink. Just all pale and frizzy. Speaking of, how's Anne? She's been busy. Since the abyss spilled out into our dimension, there's been a lot of people who need her help. Me and Thread have been helping out with situations where we can. Boogeyman? Yep. Kid found Anne's shop and told her about the monster in his closet. I tracked him down to his lair and... Well, you know the rest. I'm glad you were there in the clinch, Reza. Back when I was helping with Sanctuary, or fighting to rescue Eris and Threadripper, I felt like I was back on the sea in my pirate days. I didn't answer to anyone but myself and my crew. We fought for those who needed us without having to worry about the Accords. I think I need that right now. Savvy's offered to share her pack strength with me. And I still got a few scraps of magic from you floating about. Count me in. Whatever I can do. Thanks, Val. You know, you're not a complete self-absorbed a-hole. I'm pretty sure I'm sitting at about 90%. Eris is trying to make me a little less of an a-hole lately. So, the great Valentine, Mr. Lonely and Brooding, is trying a relationship? Maybe next you'll stop dressing like you should be in a comic book. Hey, this jacket's seen me through a lot of trouble. Plus, Eris says I'm cute in it. I'm trying not to picture you and Eris acting mushy. Gah! Griff, another round! Seven. Reza Whiteflash. Hazel? The new hound of the shifter stands at the door dressed in full motorcycle leathers. She's a clean six feet and built like a brick wall. When Flack shows his new hound, her first task was to bring Reza in. Looks like she's collecting. Flack wants to see you. I'm still drinking. Tell Flack, you know what? I'll tell him myself. No point going through flunkies. Flunkies? I'm the hound now. Flack chose me himself after you proved unfit for the job. Two words, Cupcake. Neutral ground. Griff is one of us. You'd think he'd go against the entire pack? He doesn't need to get involved. More than enough for you. <sighs> I was hoping you'd say that. I'll catch maybe a second of what happens next. <laughs> Hazel lands a rabbit punch to Reza's jaw, sending the shifter to the ground. Reza howls and gets up again in a heartbeat. The pink-haired brawler grabs our table, swinging it at Hazel like a bat. Hazel releases her beast form, an eight-foot badger with rows of yellow teeth and a nasty gleam in her eye. Reza launches herself at the badger, throwing a haymaker at the animal. Hazel shrugs off the punch like it was nothing, and proceeds to swing the table back at Reza. Low sends her crashing through the window out into the street. Table and badger in hot pursuit. I dash outside, already rolling up my sleeves to give access to my tattoos. Hazel has abandoned the table and is slashing at Reza with long, terrifying claws. Reza dances backwards like a prize fighter, slipping on a pair of leather gloves, grimacing against whatever bones she's likely had cracked from the fight. She slams the gloves together as Hazel readies for round two. Time for a little rebellion! A set of metal strands slither out from between the stitches of the leather gloves, forming a vicious set of gauntlets. She lands a vicious uppercut and sends Hazel reeling back before she can recover. Reza grabs her by the scruff and slaps the badger into the brick wall of the building. The badger swings a wild elbow back that breaks Reza's grasp on her, as I finally remember what I'm doing out here. Alright, that's enough! I call forth my inked wings, intending to shield Reza from Hazel and hopefully buy Griff enough time to get his ass out here and officially stop the brawl. 
Instead of the wings I'm used to, my spell produces something like a set of bat wings with cruel edges and razor-sharp points. Still has the desired effect, though. Hazel realizes she's now facing me and Razor together. Her badger form wavers and vanishes. This isn't done. Packless shifters have no protection under the Accords. Flack can call you in when he wants to. Black knows me well enough to know what I think of the Accords. Pretty sure you're done here. If you want round two, don't let me stop you, but I doubt you're up for the two of us. Fine. Just know that she and her pack are outsiders in this city. As long as I am the leader of the street magicians, I offer Reza and hers sanctuary. You and Flack can take that up with Madeline. Hazel looks ready to throw down with me now. Mercriff steps out of the bar with a mean-looking iron wall club. He doesn't need to say a word. The fight is well and truly over. Hazel stalks away. Thanks, Griff. Could have taken her, but... Tube suck. I love you like a long-lost daughter. But I can't have you bringing violence to my place of business. I had no idea she would... You didn't. You knew what would happen if you showed your face to a bunch of drunk shifters. Okay. Maybe I wanted to stake my claim. Let Flack know I wasn't scared. I can respect that. But until you come to terms with Flack, there's no place for you at the last round. I understand, Griff. Hmm. Make your peace, Reza White Flash. Whatever shape that peace may take. You're banned too, Valentine. What? Why me? What did I do? <laughs> what don't you do? Griff turns and ambles back to his bar, kicking at a few shards and glass on the wood on the way in. The place shimmers in front of her eyes, reverting to an ironworker's warehouse. Savvy places a consoling hand on Reza's shoulder. Yeah? Boss, we got a problem. Hey, look at that. We match. Does yours involve a giant murderous badger and a ferret shifter with metal boxing gloves? Sorta? Maybe. Not really. That's really specific. Mads is hiring us to investigate an attack, a shifter, and a tech pixie. Both are... We need to see it. They're being treated at Sanctuary. I'll clean up here and get moving. Aye, aye, boss. Meet you at Sanctuary. You okay, Razor? Kinda expected you to call on your bigger, more ferrety half. I don't have it. What? You mean shifters could lose their other half? Did you check the last place you left it? Something happened when we went to the Abyss. My other form just isn't there. I can't shift anymore. I'm sorry, I... I didn't even know that was possible. Well, whoop dee doo you learned something new today. I guess it explains the knuckle dusters. You can thank Savvy for that. She taught me another way to call out my magic. It's like Nyx's ability to manipulate the void. The magic comes from borrowed strength. Other supernaturals lend me their power, and my shifter magic lights the spark. Reza, I'm sorry. Valentine, shut it. Our friends were in trouble. If the cost to get them back is my animal body, I'd pay it again in a heartbeat. There's more to me than just my magic. You really grew while you were on the road. You almost seem respectable. I also miss the way Larissa's, uh... Nope, not gonna listen to that. We gotta hurry over to Sanctuary and check on something weird. You coming? You think you could stop me? Me, Reza, and Savvy arrive at Sanctuary. It's run by Nyx, one of the most respectable blokes I've had the pleasure of fighting beside. Threadrip is pacing back and forth outside Nyx's improvised medical wing. Boss! <gasps> Risa! Sweet motherboard, you're back! I missed you! Book Club totally hasn't been the same without you. Don't talk about Book Club. Oh, wait! 
I'm already busted on that, aren't I? Yeah. I missed you too. Ripper, maybe you should take Reza and Savvy to the mess. I'll see what I can suss out here. Threadripper practically drags Reza off to grab a cup of coffee and talk. Inside the makeshift recovery room, two victims are laid out on cots. One's a tech pixie. She doesn't look anything like any pixie I've ever seen. They're usually bursting at the seams with magic. Even if you don't have a true sight spell to measure their aura, they almost look like they're glowing. The young one is grey and wrinkled, like a strip of jerky that's been left too long in the sun. The other is a shifter girl who stares at the ceiling, whispering something under her breath. Her eyes track me as I walk into the room, but I can't be certain she's looking at me. Hello there, my name's Valentine. Threadripper said you two needed to speak with me. Something attacked us. Said it was hungry. Where did this happen? My apartment. It came in through the window. What was it? Did you get a look at the thing? A marionette. A marionette? Like a puppet? No. It was more like a storefront dummy. Its face was blank. But it was glowing like neon. It grabbed us. It was... Its hand was cold. Here, let me... Let me take a closer look. I scratch my power symbol tattoo on my wrist and awaken my true sight. The magical world reveals itself to me, just beneath the surface of what we all get to see. Through that, I can see the flow of magic through everyone. In the next room over, I can see Savvy's animal body wrapped carefully within her own magical aura. Reza's aura looks strange. Instead of one magical force bound within her, she's got several now. Just... None of her ferret body. I try to read the magical aura from the shifter or the pixie, but they're as magically awake as a doorknob. Even with their magic depleted, everyone's got that spark within them. At least you don't even have that. Was that even possible? I've never seen a pixie turned into a living mummy, and even the shifter seems... broken. Like the fight in her eyes is gone. I've never seen a shifter without that anger. This is not good. I give her my best I-know-what's-going-on smile, the one that Eris taught me, and take a hand. What do you see? It's okay. I'm here to help. Me and Reza sneak into the shifter's loft. I have my zippo at the ready. Reza's prepared with his super shotgun. Inside, reclining on the couch and flipping through channels on the television is... something. Just as that poor shifter said, it looks like one of those creepy storm mannequins, but with a bunch of glow sticks stuffed into it. A board creaks under my foot, and its blank face swivels towards us. It holds up one finger in a gesture that can only mean hold on a moment. Then it takes out a sharpie and draws itself a set of eyes and a frowny mouth on its gob. The lines animate and suddenly there's a working face on the creature. It favours us with a toothy grin. I just finished dinner and someone brings me dessert so promptly. How lucky. My lady will enjoy the leftovers. Sorry mate, I'm bad for your health. Bad for mine, too. Maybe you can tell me what happened to the magic you took from the other two before me. A shifter and a pixie, they'd really appreciate the return. Oh, I'm sorry. That magic's gone. It's on its way to my lady. We're so very hungry. I need all of it. I can wake her up with enough stored power. I need to feed. I need to... Ow!
have been listening to the Graveyard Tapes, Outcast, Part 1, written by Dustin Gray and Aidan Morgan, edited by Angela Dumalak and Nikki Ewert, with the voices of Pam Torgrimson as Sycorax, Chase Hunter as Valentine, Nikki Ewert as Invasri, Robin as the Bogeyman, Caitlin Sinnott as Riza, Casey as Savvy, Devon Barris as Griff, Christine as Hazel, Corey as Leech, Eden as Shifter Victim, and Casey as Pixie Victim. <laughs>